What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Oh man, it is a it is a interesting week. Um, what what's the wait? So first of all, this is a podcast, a thrice weekly podcast where two of us dissect the local current affairs, the hottest news with a touch of what, Terence? Touch of humor. A touch of humor. That's what that's where, what we need to get by these days, right? Humor. Yeah, we, we do because there's so much happening in the world and sometimes, you know, there's stuff you might want to read about but you're like, oh, fuck, that's dry as shit. Mm. Well, let us moisten it up with some comedy, man. Yeah, except today is not one of those, it's not one of those episodes though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, was such that is true. Such clickbait. Yeah. The one time we we remember to do the plug about what this podcast is about, we're gonna go ahead and do the exact opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one time that we did it so well, right, without even prompting yeah. anything. Yeah, then we yeah, re- then we're but, actually not doing it. Oh, yeah. So if you're looking for current affairs, uh, maybe you can listen to the previous podcast or the next episode because today we're doing something pretty damn special uh, and paying homage to our wonderful. Uh, fan base and and Reddit community. Yes. But before that, we also have a pretty fucking big announcement, man. Yes. Um, yeah. And it has to do with your mother. Your ma- m- yeah, my mother. Yeah. <laughs> my mother specifically. So if if you guys have been listening to us for a while, you would have recalled like a few months ago we we mentioned something like a beta test where we had a call for five beta testers to help test out an idea that we were kind of toying with. Uh, we did the beta test, um, and thank you so much to the to the beta testers who volunteered and those who volunteered, but for whom we didn't have enough slots um, because we've been iterating on the idea, making a few tweaks, and we are finally fucking launching the actual service in the shape and form as what we imagined, which is a is basically a service where where we allow you to create audio gifts mm. for the people you love where we help capture your stories about your favorite moments, about someone or something, and turn it into a personalized podcast that you can give to them as a gift. Mm. And, and I think to, okay. to clarify, we, when we say we're ready to launch the service, it's still in a limited trial phase. Mm. Um, so it's a, only a limited number of slots. And uh, unfortunately, it's not, it's not uh free like the beta test was like right the beta test was really yeah. a beta test but this one is we're really we're confident of it as a service but we also still want to try it with a smaller group just so that we can yeah. really iron out the kinks and make sure that uh make sure that experience is really personalized for each and every one of you yeah and the service is called folklory uh you can check out the website folklory.com for the full details uh we are launching it specifically because Mother's Day is in less than slightly less than a month away. And we do feel that if you are looking for a gift for your mom or, or for anyone uh, for that matter, this would be a pretty kick-ass gift. Mm. Uh, and essentially, just to sum up what, what it actually is, if let's say you want to give a gift to your mom, from our experience doing podcasts and doing in-depth interviews, um, there's a lot that you can glean from someone just by having an honest conversation. So what what in this case, we would do is we would ask you, okay, who is someone uh, that that your mom would love to hear stories from? Mm. We would contact that someone, 
have a phone call conversation, record that conversation for 30 to 45 minutes and turn that into a personalized podcast with dope sound quality, with music overlays and we will pass you the digital file that you can then pass to your mom or any of your loved ones um, as a way to capture memories uh, in, in, in something that isn't just a picture or a video. Mm. And the first time I tried it was I actually recorded uh, a 30-minute conversation I had with my 70-year-old mom. And honestly, it was, I mean, it, it kind of blew my mind because I have a lot of pictures and videos with her, but this was something, the stuff we talked about was just very honest and it is one of the most special things I've ever created with my mom. Mm. Um, and when when I did that, when Terrence and I were talking about it, we are super excited about this and we believe in it and we do hope that that you guys can check out the website. Uh, I mean, let us know if you have any questions and if you want to try out one of the limited slots for Mother's Day, just sign up on the website and we will reach out to you within 48 hours. Yeah. And then we'll take it from there and create some audio fucking magic, man. Yeah. So check it out, folklory.com, F-O-L-K-L-O-R-Y.com. Uh, the link is in the show notes. And please fire away if you have any questions. And uh, Cool. Yeah, so that was the plug for the week. That was the plug. But moving yeah. on to this episode of the podcast, which uh, is actually an AMA episode, AMA episode. AMA. It's AMA. <laughs> I don't know. I think only I think only people above like thirty five find that kind of thing funny, yeah. Yeah, this <laughs> it's an Amma episode. Yeah. So so Amma was I don't know whether it was popularized on uh Reddit itself, but it's basically ask me anything. Mm. Uh and a, a bunch of people have done it in the past, not just um like uh online uh personalities, but also people like Bill Gates. Uh, and it's just basically you crowdsource questions mm. uh, about that person and that person answers it. Like. So Terrence posted something on our subreddit last week and within a, a day, we had like 24 posts with a bunch of questions. So thank you all so much. Mm, mm. So, um, right, and, and you know, uh, in the interest of time and, and making sure that this podcast doesn't run for three hours, uh, yeah. we're probably going to split split up all the questions into uh, at least two podcasts, uh, right? Yeah, so this yeah, is exactly. our first ever uh, AMA Amma, episode yeah. of <laughs> yeah. uh, Yalabad where, you know, yeah, Harish and I maybe will probably delve into stuff that you wouldn't typically hear us talk about on a podcast. Uh. Mm, we're going to be talking about us and how we met and yeah. how this relationship blossomed over the years. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when, and, well, yeah. Wait, what, what order are we going to go in, uh? Uh, the the only way the only the Singaporean way lah. First come first serve. First come first serve. Yeah, who chop yeah. So so basically yeah, we have sorted the Reddit questions in in order of their posting. We will go through about half of them. Um and and yeah we I mean this is also just a a big uh a thank you to to our wonderful community who have asked us questions like this in some way shape or form in the past and we have never been able to dive into it so today is something we are just going to bear our souls and hope you guys enjoy it man mm. so let's just jump into it um, jump into it first question comes from jungle jimbo 88 long time listener yeah. i think from the very start uh, he says yeah. uh, hey boomers just curious what's your end game for monetization of this very much appreciate the podcast Mm. So I think and I think he, because he he understands that it's very time consuming to prep or research for a decent podcast, la. 
yeah. yeah, and he brings up other examples like people who use Patreon or go exclusive with Spotify like Joe Rogan. And yeah, mm. so what? how are we monetizing this podcast? That's what he's asking, right? Yeah, and, and he also kind of said, how do we have the cajones or deep pockets to afford to neglect the how do we monetize this question? Mm. Which is something that we do get asked a lot. Yeah. So so maybe maybe Terrence, you'd like to take a stab at it. Um, what is the end game, man? So I guess the interesting thing is when you ask the end game thing, uh, it's, it's very hard to say because... I think the audio or even the podcast space is evolving very rapidly, right? And you're, mm. you're even like, you. I, I mean, I can't tell out of 10 Singaporeans you ask how many of them actually listen to podcasts regularly. Uh, all we know is that that number is going to grow bigger. Um, mm. And how that affects advertisers and all that, we're not 100% sure. And I'm sure whatever prediction we make also will be wildly inaccurate as well. But all I can mm. say is that this is the... The, the feeling right now is a lot like what YouTube felt like to us in 2014 or 2015 mm. where it felt mm. like you know there was a lot of brewing there was a there's a lot of potential ways of uh, monetizing or doing something interesting or eventually like you know like doing even like how we evolved from doing short form videos to, to you know writing for television and film and everything so mm. um, yeah if you ask me what the end game is I guess the end game is to to really ride this wave for as long as we can because uh, it is something that we really enjoy, right? Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, to be more uh, like to to take on the question a little more directly about the, the money-making aspect of it. Uh, so, I can say that, and, and Terence, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but both of us are, are very much of the mindset that, right, if you make art and uh, it's not commercially successful, that's not the good, the best approach, lah. Because you, like, I personally hate the fucking term starving artist because I think it's so like an artist who's talented shouldn't have to starve. So whenever we dive into a certain format or content uh, structure, we do have a very open eye for ways to monetize it, lah. Mm. And we've been very thankful that uh, since this podcast took off last year, we have already been monetizing it. Uh, anytime you hear a pre-roll ad. Uh, where we are talking about a beverage company or one championship or any other brand uh, that is a form of monetizing this podcast uh, anytime you hear a dedicated podcast about a certain theme that is sponsored by a brand that is also monetizing it but I can safely say that whenever we take on a deal like that we always make sure that the podcast is still as as kick-ass as, as we know it can be because we never want to lose their authenticity like. yeah. but that is almost like level one of monetization mm. um, I think we are still a long way away from doing the Joe Rogan thing where Spotify comes and please Joe Rogan mm. we're going to pay you shit time of money to be exclusive to us we're not there yet um, we don't know whether we'll ever be there yet but the one thing that we have learned from being in media for the past six years is you can never put all your eggs into one basket mm. because if that basket breaks right you are fucked mm. and we've seen that happen with YouTube we've seen that happen with Facebook so while we do have branded partnerships to monetize we are looking at other forms like one of which is folklory.com mm. uh, which which we, we, we are building as a service that leverages our love for podcasts, our love for audio, but it also is a product that we strongly believe in uh, that we know can be kick-ass. Mm. Um, I know you, uh, there, there have been a few people on the Reddit who have also said, oh, you know, can we? why don't we start a Patreon or why don't we start a Buy Me A Coffee? But I think for us, we want to make sure that if we are getting our fans to pay for something, there is as far as possible value that we are providing 
not just with this podcast, but with something that you guys can feel or touch or experience. Mm. So uh, we did mention that we are looking at some form of merch. We literally met a potential partner yesterday to create something physical, which we are working on, mm. which hopefully materializes in the coming weeks. But yeah, I would say that's that's how we have been monetizing it. But in terms of the end goal, like what would be your... Like, do you have an end goal, Terence? Like the domination of the audio space in Southeast Asia? Mm, no, I don't. That's the that's the sh- the short answer, la. Then I think we can't carry this on anymore. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But why, 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 why do you not have that goal, Uh, uh I, I think uh, it's. It, I think I subscribe a lot to what Scott Adams says about mm. about about goals, uh, You know when you. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's good to have goals, but if you're too obsessed with them, sometimes you just end up being in a constant state of failure, and mm. it eventually it's just too demoralizing. Oh, it's very demoralizing, lah, right? As Do you have to, in, that? You have that one example you always give when you share that that approach, uh, which is the one example. I think we exercise something, exercise or weight loss or something. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he uses exercise as a. That's the example where you're. If you say, you know, my aim is to lose ten kg, then every day you are in a state of failure, lah. Basically, uh, whereas if mm. you talk about setting up systems about, uh, like, okay, my my aim is to exercise like three times a week, you know, then this yeah. week you could fail, but it doesn't mean that next week you'll fail or anything like that, lah. You know, and 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 mm. as long as you get to a point where you're doing it regularly, that's that's all that that is more important, lah. Right. So so mm-hmm. the same way for me, like I think. Being creative also uh, is very rejuvenating for me, uh, but mm. but we have to do it sustainably, la. So that those that definitely I, I do keep. I, I'm probably not as a uh, as straight up like oh it has to be commercial if it's not it's not good like you like that. But definitely mm. I have my I do think about okay how how to make it sustainable la. That's important to me la. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so I mean I didn't say every piece of work needs to be commercial. I just feel that if you're thinking about creating stuff, that needs to be in in the at the back of your mind like like how to make it sustainable like mm. commercially sustainable okay. and and i mean another thing that we do do is that while we do podcasts three times a week we thankfully have other projects in parallel as well uh, a lot of you like responded very positively to the trailer for the tamil uh, tv pilot that we launched a few weeks ago we have a chinese show in post-production right now we have an audio pilot with audible that is also in post-production right now so so I think we are just trying to do as much content that that we want to do as possible, and and just yeah, just just making sure we are always experimenting with things that could work, that could not work, and then just adapting lah. Because that's what the world is about now, man. It's true, but I think it just is. <laughs> I think we got to we got move, to on, sp- move on a little bit and space it out because there are people who ask about our TV stuff and all that later. So we don't have to okay. we don't have to answer every aspect of, of everything. <laughs> In one answer, we, we I think I okay, think okay can because even Jungle Jimbo himself still has a second question, which is why oh. the why the aversion to having theme music at the end of the episode. Hmm. Yeah. I have a I have a reason, but but what, what's what's yours? Uh? No, go ahead, go ahead. I think for me it's like uh because we 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 never wanted to make this a very we wanted to keep this as raw as possible but i will say that the more people ask to have uh theme music or the more i hear other podcasts with outro music the more i feel that you know what we don't need outro music just so that we can 
keep it as raw as possible like a like like a conversation lah mm. you go to to have coffee with your friends there's no outro music when it ends yeah so why should there be on this podcast yeah that's true it's very authentic lah like when you mm. when you saying goodbye to your friends there's no like fucking your no just your your entrance music start playing and then you walk out of the arena or anything like you're a fucking wrestler yeah. or something <laughs> That's yeah. not life, right? So yeah, we're trying to reflect what life is like. We just end our phone conversations. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, bye, 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 like that. <laughs> yeah. So that's your reason, also. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I think the theme music thing is. I mean, unless we got we got fucking a lot of people to thank or something, then then yeah lah. But other than that, you know, if it's just two of us, I would don't need much. I would say the one thing that would change my mind is that if there's theme music composed. By one of mm. our fans mm. or, or listeners, that would be fucking epic. Yeah. That I would be totally open to. Or even put in front of the podcast, if anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that more people listen to it. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Cool. So thanks, right. Jungle Jimbo. Um, thanks, Jungle Jimbo. The next one is actually not really a question, but some suggestions from Amazing Underscore Chemistry Four One Four lah. I think the, the the main gist of it is that you can. Uh, Amazing Chemistry is hoping that we can, you know, spend more time maybe just debating about certain topics as opposed to having to talk about the current affairs, lah. Because when you mm. debate about topics, I guess it's more uh, timeless. Doesn't depend on mm. the news. So, um, you got any? You got any response to that? Mm, I think for me that that would mean that would be a very different kind of style of podcast because the. Like for certain things that are debatable, mm. it could just be my opinion versus Terence's opinion. But what I like about current affairs is that there are certain facts that we can anchor on, and then we give our opinion. Mm. For some of the stuff that is a little more gene- uh, general or high level, like one of the examples was if a girl woos a guy first, does it seem to lower their? Okay, wait, maybe that's not the best example. But compliment complimenting in Asia makes people cringe. Very. Do you mm. think we need to change? There is a broad topic that could have like a podcast series of its own, lah. Yeah, right. same, same, same. I mean, similar to you, I also feel like the current affairs gives us a certain structure, and the structure mm. forces us to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. Which is like, it opens my, it opens me to read more different types of news, like, that I wouldn't typically read, and 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 based, just based on that, that I think that's what we also are trying to encourage everyone to do, like, Right to listen mm. to more sources of news or, or analyze the news a bit more deeply. Yeah. So so I yeah. actually I actually think the it's a good exercise even for you and me when whenever we have to find like uh news articles to talk about, right? Mm. Yeah, I think I think we did have those few episodes of like, you know, this day in history where we tried to go deep into stuff, but that that was a, a totally different approach. And I think if we were to do something like this, it would be a very still some sort of structure like okay we have six episodes we're going to tackle this 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 and we wanted to be backed with some sort of research or give it enough time that it warrants la. Mm, and and correct. to do three episodes of that a week is a bit hard mm. uh but but who knows in future maybe once we build up a team of researchers and all that who mm. knows but for now uh i think this format uh works la. okay um so back to the questions uh, the regular programming uh, man mm. official also another another OG listener asks mm. um, yeah here here it is what's the process yeah. of pitching a TV series like be it to our local channels or streaming platforms uh, particularly interested to find out more about how your latest pilot was picked up uh, got picked up by Vasantam yeah. yeah so maybe that one that one I, I gave a bit of a teaser just now maybe you can you can take that uh. 
okay, I think uh, what's the process of pitching a TV series like? Probably the best way to talk about the process, yeah, is to specifically mm. talk about our pilot, now, right? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was just something that we had uh, brainstormed together with a, with a, a friend of ours, um, pitched it to several places and then um, didn't get picked up. Like, maybe because the, the, the positioning of it was much broader in terms of uh, a Singaporeans going to Mars or something like that. So it didn't seem to have a very uh, strong uh, threat, you know, in terms of motivations and everything. Uh, mm. But subsequently, you know, there was an open call for pitches to Vasantam. Uh, mm. And, um, you know, we, we just thought, okay, why don't we modify the story such that there's a stronger reason why why this group of, this motley crew of people had to get together. And it just so happens that they're all all Indian as well, right? And mm. we, we thought that would make a great show that we could get our friends, you know, YouTubers from Malaysia and and. And, and others who could also speak Tamil to come down to Singapore to, to film this together. Um, mm. We thought that would be, be great. Uh, and then COVID happened. Uh, but the, the show at the same time also got commissioned. The pilot got commissioned. So um, yeah, that, that was essentially how we, you know, it, it, it uh, ended up being what it is now. And I, I think it's, it's much richer than what we but, originally intended. But, but, but I think that one is still... Like if if I wasn't in the industry, right? Uh, there was uh, there are so many questions I want to ask on based on what you just said. Mm. So maybe maybe you could go into the details of from the time we had an idea, right? Mm. What like like you know the even what is a pitch? What what do you put in a TV pitch? What uh, is what yeah. is a pitch? You know because that that is something I had no idea about before I entered the industry. Yeah, I think essentially you are. It's kind of like think about it the way how you would convince your friends to go go with you to watch Mortal Kombat. Uh, in mm. the cinema, or Kong versus Godzilla, right? Uh, mm. You know, oh, it's going to be awesome because it's two of the biggest monsters in uh, cinematic history fighting each other one-on-one -on, -one on the big screen with the best special effects that you could ever imagine. Um, so, so, yeah, so that itself is an elevator pitch for why you should watch Kong versus Godzilla. So in the same mm. way you think about it, like, that's how you, that's essentially how you try and sell someone on the idea whether you come up with a story and and and, uh, and um, you know wouldn't it be cool if this happened or that happened and you sort of and based on that you you start to put the story together you put the pitch together and uh, you start you start to put the the characters the motivations and and, and the team together and uh, that's that's all part of the whole pitch process basically mm. Um, mm. I don't, I don't know. Do, do you want to go in a little bit more detail about each of those individual elements? Because actually, I understand what yeah. you mean. Because each of those individual elements are yeah. very tricky so, themselves, uh. So, so I guess broadly speaking, maybe to share the based on our own experience in the TV world, uh, there have been a few ways where we have ended up being part of a TV show or creating a TV show. Um, and I think it, I can imagine like if you. If I wasn't in the industry, yeah, like you have an idea, okay, some guy time travels to this and all that. How the hell does it get made to into a TV show? Like? So first of all, putting together a pitch, right? Basically, you you know, if any of you have seen business plan templates or some sort of white paper templates, there's this thing called a treatment, like, uh, a, a treatment for a film or a TV series, which is essentially like a five-page summary of what your show is about. 
And anyone who has ever pitched a TV show about anything uh, has put together a treatment. Lah. Of course, if you're like Quentin Tarantino or Aaron Sorkin, you probably don't need to go down that path because people are are just queuing up to give you a TV show. But from people uh, like J.J. Uh, Abrahams and, and anyone who's the who's who of film, you can Google up to find out their pitch documents. Lah. So the pitch documents essentially starts with an executive summary uh, of what the story is from start to finish, half a paragraph. And then you have the log line, which is a one one to two line description of the entire of the entire show. Lah. So for our, our Vasantam was uh, a Tamil patriot an ex-military officer dreams of establishing the concept of Lemuria, an ancient Tamilian city on Mars, and has to fight the obstacles of bureaucracy uh, in the way of him achieving the mission. Then you talk about the the what happens in every episode, then you talk about the characters, and that is the first step to pitching a TV show. And once you have that document, right, you can either enter a call for pitches, which is basically, you know, like when companies need to get a vendor to do something or or or, or find some external entity to to help them with, with a service of some sort, there's a call for pitches. You can submit it there. You can enter a competition like what we did for the Hope Filmmakers Guild. Uh, and once you have a bit of experience, if you get a chance to maybe pitch to executives within a channel, things can happen. Like, but it all starts from that document. Then once the document is accepted, you might get a face-to-face -face pitch. Then they might ask you questions about why would anyone care about your lead character? Why would they feel about for your lead character? What makes your lead character relatable? And essentially, it is like you're just pitching a big project. Just so happens that it's a TV show. Lah. Um, and, and of course, if you're a streaming platform like Netflix, I know Netflix has said... Uh, they do not solicit pictures from people who just email things in. They either approach you because you're a kick-ass director or they get a recommendation from another kick-ass director. Whereas on Mediacorp, they have calls for pictures. Mm. So the ones you get in the industry, you you know that it's, it's almost amazing how shows happen because sometimes it's just serendipitous. Mm. Sometimes it's just one idea that sticks um, and you can prepare a 10-page document for something, have all the research, but no one gives a shit. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Right. So, so and like for, for the, I know like when you came up with the Mars thing, I know you had a a, a, a bit of inspiration that led you to that one-liner. Um, and and yeah, so so it all starts from that one-liner of an idea la, and then it snowballs from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a, it's a very, yeah. I mean, I think Detailed. We've, we've covered yeah. everything that probably that a lot for men official to chew on. To chew on, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Uh, the next question comes from oh, bunch of questions comes from mm. Tiramisu Matcha. Um, mm. Okay, some some some. I, I guess the the good thing is that they put in point form here, so we can it's very clear exactly how many questions they have. But first mm. one, how did the both of you end up going overseas to study, and why? Mm. Mm. You wanna so, you wanna start first? So uh, yeah, so. Terence and I met in uni, uh, so this this question has a lot of relevance. And how I ended up going to study at uh, overseas was because I was lucky enough to get a scholarship mm. with Singapore Airlines. Um, so what what that means is that they would sponsor my education in return for me coming back to work for them for four years, mm. and that's what I did. Mm. So I signed away eight years of my life when I was a 21 mm. and yeah it was a fucking eye-opening experience to study overseas mm. whether or not studying overseas now is as 
life-changing as it used to be. I don't know, but for me, it was great. And I met a lot of cool people, one of whom is Terrence. Mm. Wow, thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah, you better fucking say the same thing. Uh. Uh, you better fucking say the same thing. <laughs> no, but but yeah, why, why did you, how did you end up going to study abroad? Uh, I mean, the I, I probably will focus more on the why like. I I didn't I didn't mm. get a scholarship I I did I was offered a scholarship to go overseas to study, but I mm. ended up it was from a, a stat board or so. Uh, mm. I ended up rejecting it because I didn't f- at that point in time I just didn't feel like government was my calling like, or civil service was my calling, so I, was, mm. I wanted to to keep my options open and and. And and I was going to study business as well, so I was thinking, okay, maybe finance, Wall Street, all that was would, might be my thing, lah. So, mm-hmm. um, but all I knew at that point in time, uh, as a eighteen year old, nineteen or or twenty year old kid, was that I really wanted to get out of the Singapore system, the Singapore mm-hmm. school system. Uh, I mean, we, I, I had yeah, I had offers or place in NUS and everything, but uh, uh I just felt like. I needed to to break away from that that system lah. It's just um after especially after army, I think army really made me realize that you're you're being um you're you're being uh sort of molded to think a certain way lah. And I felt I felt this really strong urge to get out of the country. Um, mm. But but the, the yeah the funny thing is probably I went overseas and I probably ended up also appreciating more of what what Singapore of, offered us lah. In the first mm. twenty years of our lives, and and also got to meet really cool people like Harish. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Lucky you save yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, yeah. That that's the the bigger why la, I think. Yeah. That that to me is the more important question because I think, uh, yeah la, The the you know the those fortunate enough to to be smart enough and to to study hard enough and to be able to be offered a scholarship. I think, uh, yeah, definitely should take it la, But the motivations of why you go overseas. Yeah, you also need to ask yourself why, because you will be away from family for, for a good number of years, and you will miss parties, your friends' birthdays, you know, important milestones in your friends' lives as well. But you will also make new friends. Yeah. Uh, that's an important thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for me the why was uh because I mean it just felt like there's I I didn't have any like oh you know the world is huge Singapore's a tiny dot I think I grew up like most people with Western pop culture. And I will totally admit that to me, there was this, this almost like this, this amazing concept of like, oh, you know, the West and stuff like that. Uh, it's great. You know, I go there, it would be awesome. So that's why I applied. I mean, there was no way I could have afforded going uh, on my own, which is why I took up the scholarship without even blinking an eye. Mm. Um, because yeah, I, I, I couldn't afford to, to do anything but overseas yours, if not for that. La. I would say yours is a, is a, I mean, more private sector scholarship, la, right? Uh, I mean, it's Singapore Airlines, so private sector, yeah. La. More yeah. more private sector than a government scholarship. So, yeah, I think I think in hierarchy, the SI scholarship is is quite, is seen as quite uh, desirable because of that, la, right? It is, and also because the bond at that point in time was four years. Uh, yes, it's shorter, so yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. to say that I went, I jumped into it with, oh, I want to leave after four years, but it felt like, okay, it's the shortest period, the shortest commitment. Mm. Um, yeah, but the one thing that I did realize is yeah, that all that notion of like, oh, you know, the West is better than the East. Yeah, n- no, like there's so much that you go there, you're like, oh shit, this is it. Yeah. Um, so that was eye-opening. Correct, uh, correct. But it just exposed you a lot to a lot of things and it also made me appreciate Singapore more. Correct. Which I think we yeah. can talk about more as more people ask about uh, our university lives. Uh, I think yeah. the Tiramisu Macha's second question is 
I think Terence mentioned something about wishing that he entered the current industry earlier. Is there any advice for people who are planning to switch fields or have already switched fields? Could be school or work related. Uh, Mr. Tilani, ex uh, Singapore Airlines scholar, and now mm. uh, now uh, what do you call it? No, YouTuber, hey, the, the podcaster. Qu- the question was to you first. So every time like, I've been answering the questions first, so I think oh. you can do the honors this time. Uh, yes, I, I do wish I entered the current industry earlier in the sense that uh, I do wish I acted on my on my gut uh, instincts earlier. Lah. Like I knew, I knew in my gut that this was something that I wanted to do. But uh, I think, uh, you know, I, a, a lot of things were holding me back in terms of uh, just my my own belief in what I was able to what I'd be able to do and and you know oh is there a course that I should take or someone I should learn from first or something like that you know all all these doubts that creep in your mind before you embark on on something, um, so if you are planning to switch fields or have already switched fields, all I can just say is um, make sure you do your research properly lah. And and have your set your expectations uh, accordingly as well, because when you switch fields, uh, you, sometimes you really do have to start from the bottom, as an apprentice, as as you know, uh, someone's mentee, some, or even just the the intern or something like that, and uh, you might not get the same salary or the same prestige as your previous job and things like that. But you got to be ready for all that, and I I would say that was probably the folly of youth for me. Like, I was ready for for that lah. As in, I, I was ready mm. to jump from, you know, finance, Wall Street, all that kind of stuff to, to you know, media and production and all, which was an entirely different world. Yeah. So mm. what about you? What, what's your advice? Um, I would say, so the, the question of whether or not I wish I entered the industry earlier, I can't say, because, okay, for me, when I had the, the scholarship, I was going to work for four years and then I was bonded for four years. Um, and during the four years of SIA, uh, in the second half, I actually found a way to be posted to Scoot like, as one of the earlier employees um, of this new airline that was fully owned by SIA. So it, there was a bit of a startup startup kind of feel to that, which was great. Uh, it wasn't as bureaucrat- bureaucratic. So I can't say I wish I entered the industry earlier. Um, the only thing is, I think um, if if I had the freedom to, I I wish I was more exploratory with my interests at a younger age because I had no fucking idea I would end up in media. I was never one of those people who wanted to act, wanted to perform. I studied mechanical engineering. I was like, okay, I want to become an engineer. Um, but then through university, I realized, oh shit, maybe that's not my cup of tea. Uh, and then, but but all that experimenting came very late. Like when I was young, it was just sports, uh, which was great. But but that was the one thing I wish I did earlier. Um, you mean so experimenting, fact, think, like like what kind of experimenting are you talking about? Uh, like, like I mean, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever you can without getting into like criminal, uh, like uh, doing anything criminal and unethical. Uh. But no, just exploring different interests. Yeah. Because when when I was growing up, it was like sports and like yeah, like uh. Just the, the the subjects taught in school, but I didn't have much interest out of that. Yeah. Like like I was kind of a jock, I think. Um. Then I went to army. Okay, my eyes open up uh, a bit, but yeah, I never never even considered other things. And I think 
even this media thing, I kind of stumbled into it. I wasn't like you. I I just liked watching comedies as do most people. But slowly, thankfully, by just uh, agreeing to like, hey, you know, let's do something. Let's meet up with a bunch of friends and film something. Slowly, I stumbled into media. Mm. Um, but the one thing that is um, good about Maybe like, I, I think the, the one book that I would totally recommend uh, reading, which is about the whole thing about pursuing your passions or something, right? Is this book called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. La. And basically the whole premise is that following your passion, yeah, it's, um, it's great. But if you want to make a career switch, you got to do what you can to kind of build up your skill sets in that passion thing while, uh, bef- before you make the switch. Like, I know, like, people say they took a leap of faith and all, but this book was interesting because it, it researched people who were successful in making that leap. And more often than not, they were already doing something related to their passion before they made the leap. So it wasn't just a full leap of faith. And I think that really changed my view about the whole follow your passion thing. Because if you follow your passion blindly, um, yeah, I think, I think that is also something that is over-romanticized. Um, there are things you can do beforehand before you make the leap of faith to just make the leap a little easier. Mm. And that book was really good. That's a really good book. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's quite comprehensive about advice for people planning to switch. Um, Mr. Bacha asked, I'm not sure if you guys have talked about how Yalabad came about. If not, how did it come about? Mm. Yeah. I think... Uh, yeah, Haji, how did it come about? I mean, wow, the the question is, I guess they're broadly asking how do we start doing how how did we start a podcast, uh, right? Mm, yeah. Mm. So so do you wanna tackle that? Yeah, so uh I mean Yalabad is our current podcast, but the first podcast we actually started was something called the Mushroom. Mm. <laughs> like M O F S H R O N. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah even now saying it is like what the hell am i saying but basically there was a very guest-centric uh podcast which was yeah like we would invite people who we found interesting have long conversations like joe rogan uh but after a while that became not the most sustainable thing and it very depended a lot on getting guests la. so how yalabad came about i think our first yalabad podcast was at the end of around 2019 like middle 2019 before we got our lives consumed by our tv show and how we thought about the name yalaba is we knew that we wanted to do a podcast with just terence and i talking about current affairs and the one thing that continuously pisses me off and i think terence as well is that in media most of the time you get articles talking about one perspective only shitting on the other perspective um, and then the people from the other side will write another response, shitting on that. And it's always just like, fuck, it's like a ping pong match, but they are playing ping pong in different rooms. La. So we just figured, okay, what if we do a podcast where we purposely try to force differing opinions uh, and have multiple yalabat moments. La. So we thought of the approach first and then we came up with the name. Mm. Um, and I remember we went through a bunch of names uh, and we settled on yalabat. And that was how the name, the branding came about. And I think last year, I mean, we started it, but then what happened last year with Yalabad? Um, last year, no, I mean, uh, we, we started it. Uh, then we took a short break because we were yeah. we were filming our full TV series, which we felt needed our full attention. Um, mm. And then subsequently, we, I mean, once the COVID and all that started happening, then the podcast became like uh you know a very big part of our 
the how we would continue working uh, remotely and everything. Uh, so yeah, that, that's I I think, largely speaking, that's how Yalabad is in its current form la, and why why we've become more more and more prolific over the last few months as well because we've really mm. seen the potential, uh, especially during the circuit breaker period and the elections and 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 you know as people were like spending a lot of time on social media watching Sashi versus Narelle and stuff like that. That's when our mm. podcast, you know, became a really, I think, a place uh, for people to just uh, catch up with the news and as well as uh, share thoughts with us on Reddit and things like that as well. Mm. And and I think um, we, we, we've always been interested in podcasts and audio, which is why we started experimenting in 2018. Um, but last year, yeah, it was kind of us adapting to the pandemic because like what Terrence said, it was remote friendly. And I think as a format, right, compared to short form video and all that, I feel very at home with podcasts mm-hmm. because I think I, I'm i more comfortable speaking than writing. Like there's something that pisses me off. I can't imagine like writing a long Facebook post like, because I'm like, wow, fuck, that's just like, bleh. but talking about it is just so much more organic to I think my, my who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, broadly speaking, that's how Yalabat came about. Um, yeah. I guess, yeah, let's jump to, to Tiramisu Macha's last point, which is, because the other two are not really questions, they're more comments than anything. Uh, but his last question is, will the both of you consider having a meetup with listeners in the future? Mm. Yeah. So I, uh. I think to, to answer that, uh, yeah, definitely. I think... Uh, we've 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 plugged and we've spoken about live performances that we've done, um, where both of us are there as like guests or performers, and uh, yeah, we might even have one upcoming one where where we might be able to do a simple meetup with listeners who attend this live event as well. We'll give more details mm. next time lah soon, but it'll be very in, in the very near future. Yeah, on the next episode, we can share some details about that. Yeah. But the reason why we both want to do something like that is because the last time we had a live show with Rishi Budrani, uh, 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 a common uh, a, a guest on our show a few times already, we did the Rishi Report live. And there were a few Yalabad listeners in the audience who came up to say hi after that. And fuck, man, it totally made my night here, like seeing them in person and hearing them uh, just kind of like just having that moment where we, there are people who have been listening to us and supporting us and coming for our live show and it was fucking special for me, man. Mm, yeah, it was. Yeah, so 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 totally. Um, yeah. Fury balls. <laughs> mm, <laughs> they're, they're fiery balls. Fiery balls. Fiery you balls. You guys um, get money when people listen to your podcast. Just curious how you guys make money. So I think we covered like how we make money from the podcast, mm. but... Uh, mm. But the first part of the question, do you guys get money when people listen to your podcast? No, not directly. Not no, at all. Nothing at all. Zero. Spotify, Spotify doesn't pay us anything at all. So yeah. everything we do is out of the goodness of our hearts to provide you entertainment two or three yeah. times a week. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, I think you people often see like YouTubers driving Ferraris and shit like that. But the whole YouTube ecosystem in the world or like streaming ecosystem or content ecosystem is very different. Uh, the ad, ad money available for content creators is also different in the world. And I think we are a long way from Spotify uh, having enough ads for anyone in Asia or Southeast Asia maybe to live off just ads. Mm. So 
that's why we need to do branded content that's why we need to do scripted shows uh, and other projects because we can't just rely on ads which honestly are non- non-existent right now mm-hmm. like the, the Spotify ads right correct correct yeah also yeah a lot of people are very concerned about our financial well-being. Uh, yeah, do we sound do we money. sound sick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I think I, I think don't don't you get that a lot? Like people just wondering, how the hell are we sustaining ourselves? Given that the whole space as a content creator is still a very new space. Yeah, and I think for people who are maybe more used to nine to five or like more structured jobs, this is like how how the fuck are you guys doing, uh, doing things and carrying on? Mm, I think that's also. The reason why I feel like we're so it's so similar to when YouTube was f- still starting out lah. That was like yeah. the first question everyone would ask YouTubers like how you make money, right? Uh, yeah. And now I think podcasters are the ones who, who get the question more because everyone knows how YouTubers make money already lah. YouTube yeah, is whether yeah. it's ad revenue or you know like ads and stuff like that. But yeah, podcast is is, is still still very new and we don't get paid for 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 doing this lah. But uh, yeah, but but, but I must say. Like, yeah. Yeah, I must say that it while we love what we do, it is definitely not easy. Um, but I think the there's something that we are both very bullish about content creation and we see the potential. So anyone entering content creation, you really have to see yourself as a business person, as an entrepreneur. Mm. And there are opportunities there to make money, but you really have to work your fucking ass off to make things happen because it's not going to fall in your lap. Correct. Um, this is not a, a bed of roses. Uh, we just love making podcasts. We just love creating content that people like. And that's what keeps us going. Mm. Hustle. Hashtag hustle. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. As Gary V would say, hustle, bros. Uh, so the next question is a, a bit naughty, uh, this one. Tomato mm. cultivator. Why naughty? Uh? Naughty, Why naughty, uh? naughty. What is your favorite porn genre? Mm. Uh, and then uh, Kan Kanzaki eighty five adds on mm. bonus points if it's a genre you both enjoy together. So mm. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, guys, this is ask me anything, but it doesn't mean that we actually have to answer everything. But we everything, still, uh, yeah, that's but we will still <laughs> yeah. try our very best to answer as truthfully and honestly yeah. as possible, uh, right? Yeah. So yeah, go ahead, I mean, Harish, please. <laughs> I go ahead. <laughs> I mean, so that whole area is also something that, uh, yeah, like I, I feel, it's it's something. Chibai, what am I? What am I saying? Like, uh, I, there's no specific genre. Um, and even my my interaction or my participation in that activity has waned, uh, consciously because because I think it's it's almost like social media, like, You know, whenever there's instant gratification when there's instant this it's just not good for you mm. um, so I think psychologically there is there is some some stuff that I have noticed in the past mm. um, that that wasn't ideal mm. so yeah it's a conscious effort to stay away from that uh, okay my, yeah, my, so, my one's very straightforward like yours very convoluted uh, answer I like food uh, food porn food porn is my favourite eh hey, fuck you <laughs> la. that, that's not an answer la, okay that's a why, that's not even a, a direct not answer. answer food porn is an answer <laughs> no, no 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 then then you are just cutting circumventing and finding a technical loophole that is the that is 
That is food. That is my answer, like official answer. Food no, porn. see, I bore, I bore my soul. You know, I was vulnerable, and you just get a cheap short hey, answer. Come on, like, what the anyone hell? Anyone who heard what you're saying knows that there's a fucking lie, la. Hey, no, no, fuck you, okay? Don't just assume it's a lie because it is the truth. It is the truth, okay? Don't anyhow character assassinate me. Okay. I mean what I say. So Harish is yes. very, he's very concerned with the ethics of porn so he doesn't want to answer no it's so you don't really not want to so answer, much the la. ethics it's just how it affects me oh, okay so you just don't want to answer the, the, the genre no I don't have a favourite porn genre but I was just talking about porn and the consumption of it from a personal level la, like, yeah, which la. I will not deny uh, but yeah it is a conscious thing to not participate as much as possible because I noticed the impact it was having on me la. so you got no answer for this la. yeah no I don't have a favourite favourite genre okay Alright. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not gonna give a cheesy answer like yours, la. Yeah, mine's, what, intellectual mine's, mine's porn. Mine's food porn yeah. Intellectual porn. Food porn, food porn. That's my mm, favorite mm, porn mm. genre. Um mm. so no bonus points because we we both we have different answers for this. Yeah, that's right. And we don't <laughs> we don't engage with it yeah, at the same time. Uh. Yeah. So my pretzel and sushi. Hey guys, here are my mm. questions. Um Number one, the both of you had corporate jobs before. What exactly prompted you to leave your jobs and go into entertainment? Not sure if you addressed this before. So, yes. So, what prompted mm. you to leave your job? Can can you be a bit more uh, specific about the moment, lah? You know, I think because we 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 spoken quite a bit about broadly about how we got into this. You know, whether it's podcasting or entertainment, but but like mm. that exact moment and how you're feeling. And let's jump into that a bit, lah. Right. Mm. Yeah, maybe 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 you can start because both of us had different paths yes. on how we converge la. yeah yeah so I, I yeah I was working in the corporate world and I said it was like um, I was working in finance on Wall Street and, and everything um, I, I, I mean it wasn't an exact moment that prompted me to leave my job but I know I wasn't I just wasn't very particularly good at my job la, even though you know it was a uh, seemingly prestigious and, and, and well-paying job but I always felt like I was a, an imposter you know and they, I think you, you can read articles about this it's called imposter syndrome where you feel like um, someone's going to call you out one day for for you not really being understanding why you're doing what you're doing and and, and knowing what you're doing like, basically and so that's how I felt day in day out about my job uh, because I just knew that it wasn't yeah it wasn't my 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 long term calling or anything, and yeah I had a degree in it I had studied it and and you know did relatively okay in exams at it but day day to day while doing the work I just I mean I just wasn't feeling like this was what I wanted to do like with my life, and uh, mm. yeah after a while I just got very sick of hearing myself bitching about work or complaining about work and I just knew uh, I had to do something about it lah. If not, if not, I would never be able to, I wouldn't be able to, we can't look myself in the mirror and, and you know, like, if I die tomorrow and all that kind of, the kind of questions that Steve Jobs say, la, if you die tomorrow, mm. is this what you want to be, spend your, la, your last day of your life doing, la, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think, uh, I, that's why I can't pinpoint exact moment, but definitely there was a period of time while I was uh, living in New York and working in a bank that I, Definitely ask myself those questions. I decided, okay, this is I, I can't I can't do this long term, lah. Mm. Yeah, but but that was when you didn't straight jump into YouTube, lah, right? No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, but but it did make me leave the leave the industry, lah. 
uh, mm. leave the finance industry and then mm, and go into come back to Singapore because because if I mean the complications with the visa if you're not doing something related to your degree uh, it, it's hard to just hang around the country and things like that right so mm. coming back to Singapore and, and that's when I started really started looking actively for for opportunities in entertainment or media mm. yeah okay so so for me yeah like uh, I think I was I was very cognizant that I had the bond with Singapore Airlines. So when I came back after uh, studying mechanical engineering and entrepreneurship, I got put into digital marketing and I was like, yo, uh, what the fuck? I, I don't know jack shit about digital marketing. But that was in 2009, which was when the time Facebook and YouTube were, were coming up and bubbling up. So when I was at SIA, it was very focused on digital marketing, like through the more traditional ways of web ads and email newsletters and all that. But when I moved to Scoot in 2011, I was the youngest person on the team. So literally my boss said, okay, do you have a Facebook account? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, you're handling social media, which was a great opportunity because I got to experiment with uh, our creative agency and with ideas in Facebook when it was a wild, wild west. Like you could, the rules were fucking, you could do anything you wanted on Facebook. And it was interesting to see like, oh shit, our page for Scoot went from zero to like 500,000 fans in one year. And it just felt like, oh shit, there's something happening here like, in the media space. And at the same time, when I came back from the US, uh, I remember just looking at the local TV scene and I was like, whoa, in the 90s TV in Singapore was great. Well, what the hell happened? And I remember whenever I used to see Terrence at our friends' weddings, I used we used to bitch about it. Uh, but it took a while before we said, okay, if we are bitching so much about content, why don't we just try and experiment uh, and make our own shit? Uh. Um, we started making videos 2011, but I was still in my job. Um, and my bond was going to end 2013. So when 2013 came, um, unfortunately, around that time, my dad also passed on. So the time I had planned to leave the corporate world to kind of experiment in the social media space got pushed back but in 2014 we had our first viral video in january mm. um and we started getting approached by some networks and it felt like okay there's this thing that is bubbling up social media youtube facebook and we were seeing channels in singapore start um i knew i didn't want to stay in aviation um and it just felt like, okay if i don't try it now uh i will never try like and i didn't know what the hell I was going to do in this space. But it felt like, okay, um, at that point, Terrence already had started his production house and we were both talking about it and there wasn't a particular moment, but I, w I would say just seeing that one video go viral made me think, oh shit, uh, maybe we can do this. And we just tried. Like, and, and and that was what I think pushed me towards media. Mm. But, but I think when we started, we had no real plan except to make one video a week uh, and just see what happens, like, right? Mm, correct, correct. It was yeah, still yeah. more of a hobby than a than a full time thing, like, right? No, when we when we started oh, May, oh, yeah, in yeah. May twenty fourteen, yeah, yeah, yeah. that wasn't a hobby. Yeah, that was one video a week, man. No, yeah, at that like point, at the point we were quite committed to it already, like, right? Uh, yeah, so one video because a week. we we just felt like 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 podcast now, like, We just feel like there's something there, and and uh, if you're if you're not you know if you're not fishing while the fish are in the water then you're going to catch very few fish. If, is that, yeah. I don't know if there's an analogy like that. Or a, that was a horrible analogy. Say. I don't know what the <laughs> hell. <laughs> the early bird catches the worm, if anything. You know what I mean? You just got to strike while the iron is hot. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you mix out all the analogies. <laughs> no, I think I get what you're saying. You're Basically, you're saying you should lay a lot of eggs in yeah, many yeah. baskets. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> correct, correct, correct. Yeah, something like that, something like that, basically. Yeah, but so I think to 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 point back to an earlier question about making the career switch late, I would say that one good thing about jumping into this media world when we were older is that I I had some savings to tide me through the start, lah. Mm. Right, if it was just out of graduation or like without having working and jumping into this new thing where the income was not guaranteed in the near future, that would be very stress-inducing. So having yeah. worked before was actually good. Yeah, and, and actually um, having worked before, also understanding what you don't like, right, about about mm. the corporate world or whatever, then then that allows you to to more steady, more readily say, okay, I, I'm, I'm walking away from that, right? And, and, mm. and trying something for myself. Because I think, like, for me, if I never got the itch scratched of, like, you know, working in a, you know, high high stress environment on in finance and Wall Street and all these kind of things, um, yeah, I, I, I might have had always had that scratch and that one day I was like, oh, you know, I really, really want to go back and try that and things like that. Lah. But once mm. once I had that itch scratched and, you know, it was enough, then, I, yeah, then, then I was ready to move on already, lah. Yeah, and, and I think like also older jumping into media, social media comments and trolls affected me a lot less. Mm. Because fucking hell, there are so many comments about my eyes saying I look like Sid from the Ice Age, saying my eyes are far apart, mm. which actually is true. Mm. Uh, I think if I was younger, right, it would have affected me a lot more. Mm. Okay, so maybe that's related to the next question, which is what are the best and worst things about the Singaporean entertainment scene? Wow, that is a broad question. Yeah. Broad question. So, uh, what are the best? What is the best thing? I mean, I would say the best thing, honestly, I think Singapore is full of talented people with so much fucking potential. Mm. Um, but leading up to that, the worst thing about the Singapore entertainment scene is that I think, unfortunately, the the op- the the ecosystem to harness that potential is still not there yet. Mm. Um, and I think the structures of financing uh, creative projects or just uh, getting chances to to expose your content to international markets or the censorship uh, in Singapore does is kind of for me the 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 not so good things about the Singapore entertainment scene mm, yeah I think I think my my thoughts are, are the same la. like the best things are mm. the, the people uh, in the sense of like the people you work with are really talented and and really cool and and most mostly humble and hardworking um, but the the worst part is sometimes you know, the infrastructure and everything around it um, still very for, for, for such a developed economy and all that still very uh, quite backward like, in that way so maybe maybe what's an example of the infrastructure being backward because I think that sounds like a very general topic and for people who are outside of the industry right, it might mean it might mean nothing like. um, I mean like when Anthony Chen was on a podcast a few uh, a few sessions ago he mentioned like filming in Singapore is is a is such a is it's not only costly, it's such a big headache, you know, like people are super not supportive of, of the of of filming locations and stuff like that. I'm not even talking about opening up your house for people to film, but like sometimes when you're just filming outside, for some random reason people decide to call the police to ask them to come and check on you. When it's so obvious, all you're doing is just trying to film a show and trying to do a job and everything, right? You're not disturbing anyone. You're just trying to get your job done. And then for some reason, people see production a lot of times as a nuisance. And I I, I mean, I can't say that it's done a lot better in other places because 
I haven't actually done it in other places as much, but based on what Anthony is here telling telling us as well, uh, it's a lot easier in in, in other places that he's shot in. Uh. So so that's mm. one example to me. You know, like for example, like in like in New York, I remember streets would used to be closed off and almost entirely for productions and you know, with no questions asked, there'll be police deployed to help you, you know, manage a crowd and stuff like that. Whereas I think mm. in Singapore it's much more it sounds like it's a lot more expensive and a lot more troublesome to to do the same thing. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, but but at the same time, I know I often hear this thing about, you know, oh, we must support local and all that. And I think and that's also something that I ask uh, Anthony, right? Why why does he think that it's the citizens' responsibility to support local? And sometimes I feel that one is also not the best way not not the best way to think about content because I, I'm still naive and idealistic enough to believe that if the content is good, um people will consume it. Lah. Um and I think that was our approach on on YouTube that we have seen quite a few times that yeah you might not have the best thumbnail, you might not have this, but if your content is good it will get it 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 will get traction like and I think that's what that's what I always try and fixate on uh, rather than just just keeping keep hopping on support local support local I think that is important but I think the focus should be on creating the best possible show like and I think what I don't like about entertainment scene like what you said the infrastructure almost kind of prevents the best possible shows from being made like mm. whether it's regards to censorship whether it's regards to just the funding opportunities that are no strings attached that allow the creation of a bit more truthful content mm. that I think is 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 uh, not ideal yet like. yeah yeah it's a oh, multifaceted multifaceted problem yeah. I would say yeah man yeah yeah so the next one is a bit more interesting the so, next one is what the the next question is a bit more personal. Yeah. The both of you work <laughs> with each other a lot. How often do you get into arguments and what are some of the ways you tackle these differences? Hmm. Mm. How often Well first of all we yeah. we, we start a, we started a podcast that helps us argue while also making it <laughs> making content. Yeah. Content from our arguments. But yeah, how how often do we get into arguments, Terence? Hmm. I mean, definitely whether you're working on creative stuff or or you work in an office with people and all that, there definitely will be differences in how people work, right? And mm. and, and, and uh, these are all part and parcel of of working with any anybody. Like even if you work with your the closest person in your life, your wife or your parents or something, there's bound to be dis- disagreements. Uh. So mm. I don't think we get into a lot of arguments. Uh because we, 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 we do have a system in place somewhat for like, you know, like sometimes choosing the best uh, ideas or, or and all that. And, and, we all, and what we always establish is that our intent is always the same, like, that we want the best product possible uh, mm. and, 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 and not screw each other over and things like that, like, right? So mm. as long as the intent is there, I think um, as an adult, you will be able to find systems and ways to get around differences that you have in opinion, differences in taste and things like that. Lah. And what is, what is one, one an example of the system? Uh, of a system? Like for us, we, even for creative endeavors, we, we try to quantify as much as possible by, by voting on like, you know, giving a score to an idea, for example, right? Like you have mm. an idea, I have an idea. We both score it and we explain why we think this, 
this idea is something that we want to or don't want to be working on for the next few months or whatever, a year or something like that. Uh, mm. And usually when you rationalize it like that, it actually helps. It's actually a good way for each other to to also like think, you know, reflect on your own your own ideas as well, right? Mm. So I think that's and, like, that, that, yeah. that's in a specific situation where let's say we, we both have different ideas for a same topic or some a same product or something but how do we reconcile and decide which one's the better idea mm. and I mean to break it down we actually have we actually have taught this process to to schools and and even uh, like conducted a course at Google about this process like, and we're super proud of it we term it brain blasting and in, essentially it is just we've done this when we had a bigger team we've done this when it's just two of us when we need to make a piece of content about a certain theme or topic we do our own brainstorming on our own uh, individually at our, at our own time because like we both don't believe in like sitting in a room and just shouting ideas. So we come to the meeting with ideas. We put it all down on a board. We go through our ideas, maybe 30 seconds each, where we, we basically explain the idea to the other people in the room. And then we vote on a score of one to five. You cannot give your own idea a number five. You can give someone else's idea a five. And then after that, we look at the ones that score the highest. And that, if there's a five, four, then we know that's a great idea. If there's a four, one, then we kind of talk it out. But the one thing is we never really work on any idea where there's only one person who's excited about it. Mm. That process helps us articulate and sell the idea. Because if you can't sell the idea and if it's only in your head, right, then then no, it's not going to work. Uh, and, and we're not going to do that. So we always make sure that the idea that we work on is something we both feel strongly for. Mm. And by breaking it down into numerical terms like that, right, it still gets, it, it helps us get around creative differences where I like, you know, I feel this or I think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that doesn't cut it. But I will also say that Terence and I are very different people mm. in so many ways. Mm. Um, and we do get into arguments, but I think we've been working together for so fucking long that I think philosophically, uh, we know what the kind of content we want to create mm. um, and whenever we have differences we either talk it out I know sometimes we send each other messages that annoy each other uh, we send each other comments for our TV show edits that annoy each other mm. but I think we, what keeps us going is that we both know the kind of content we want to create and it's just about okay we argue we talk it out we explain ourselves mm. and then we move on yeah in fact I think you mentioned one thing that a lot of people actually, whether they're in the corporate world or in the creative line or even in school, uh, they don't really know how to do well. And that is to give constructive comments or constructive criticism. Uh, right? Mm. Uh, so it's very easy to to shit on someone's work or say it's not good enough or say I can do better. But the to me, the, 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 always, the, the very hard part is how do you give comments such that a person you encourage a person to do or you make a person actually do you know perform better or do something out of the box right you know mm. um, and a lot of times whether it's for our stuff or we read what people write to us the, a lot of the feedback is very like oh you know it's so obvious that this doesn't make sense and it's illogical and stuff like that um, but but we we always feel that there's a better way to to give that kind of feedback lah and so mm. we, even for ourselves we also over the years have refined uh, how we give feedback to each other and, and I think it's gotten a lot better of course it's still not perfect but it's still a lot better than when we first started la. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are times where we, I mean, I don't know about you, but there are times where I'm like, oh, fuck Darren's like, what the hell is he thinking? But then- Oh, that's like every day. That's like every day for me. <laughs> like, I'm like, fuck, Harish, like, what's he thinking? <laughs> Especially what a fucking meeting. Tell me Starbucks. Starbucks at Wheelock Place end up with a different Starbucks and everybody is stuck and wet and everything. Stuck in the rain. So that's Yeah. It happens, it happens. And what Terrence said literally happened last Friday. And I knew he was pissed. And then I also started getting irritated. But in the end, okay, we had the meeting. it was good. And I think thankfully we have been working long enough that that I hope you knew that it wasn't me just trying to be an asshole or something. It was just a genuine mistake. And yeah, I yeah. think sometimes when I get pissed off at you, I also think like, okay, like it's nothing to do with malice or anything. It's just, okay, different perspectives, different processes, different way of doing things. But fuck it, we have something to do, we have something to make. Yeah. Uh, and we just we just get around that. Yeah. It's almost like a marriage. It's almost like a it's relationship. Work, it's, yeah, it's work, it's yeah work, it takes work. It takes work. <laughs> it la, takes yeah. work. I'm sure. I'm, I think my presence, Sushi, when you yeah, when you enter the workforce, or if you're if you're already in the workforce, you you know like you know there's there's you you need to. It's not like school where it's so easy where you have a teacher or a grade a grader to to ar- arbitrate all the differences for you la. You kind of got to mm. you kind of got to you know. Um, face the music lah basically and, and get through these different difficult conversations yourself yeah yeah exactly worst case you just start a podcast and use passive aggression to get through your issues correct and that's how that's how we've been doing it for, <laughs> that's how we for, did uh, <laughs> we, we couch our our personal grievances with, in discussions and let it out during the podcast <laughs> exactly. do the both of you only work together or do either of you take projects on your own not easy to answer lah right yeah yeah I mean, we work together uh, like a lot of the time, but we do also take on different projects uh, on our own. Like, like I do acting gigs yeah. uh, outside, yeah. uh, hosting gigs, and yeah, and and for you, yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes I, I do some behind the camera stuff, whether it's producing or directing, like some corporate stuff sometimes and all. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, we have to like, yeah. I mean, that's how you survive in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, the dream would be to only work on our own projects. But mm. now, man, the more you your industry in this industry, the more you realize even the people you admire who have achieved so much, it's all about just your getting your next project line. Sometimes, yeah, yeah the it, there's there's the ebb and flows of of uh, uh, of gigs, la. Yeah. So yeah. Um, your next question is: the, What is the main difference between school in the US and school oh. in Singapore? Uh, okay, okay. I'm mm. gonna answer the. I'm gonna. Answer, I'm going to pair it with the next one, which is also about school in the US. Uh, did either of you get scholarships and how easy was it to get hired with a Wharton Business School degree? I know in the US it's highly regarded, but the employees here seem to prefer local university degrees over prestigious overseas university degrees. Mm. Mm. So I think we answered the one about scholarships already. Uh, yeah. And then about getting hired with a Wharton Business School degree. I, okay, well, let's let's talk about the main difference between school in the US and school in Singapore. What do you think is the main mm. difference? Um, I mean, see, I don't know what school right now is uh, like in Singapore when it comes to university and all, but I know the one thing that struck me as being different in the US versus Singapore was in the US at university level and even at high school level, which is like the JC secondary school equivalent, there it seemed like the students had chances to study stuff like philosophy or sports science or something that is not really that common in the Singapore system at that age. So I thought that was interesting. Um, 
and and I think like what what was a shock to me was how in the US it wasn't all just about the final exam because I'm a crammer man like Singapore I was fucking just cramming the few uh, nights before uh, the exams and tests but in the US it was a lot about more consistent work and project work like, which I think Singapore has evolved to um, but I would say yeah like of course the geographical difference the the demographics of the people you work with but I think yeah I think the only that I, like to long story short I think the only thing is the the physical location of the place and the people who are there but topics wise I would I, I, I don't think there's that much of a difference yeah yeah I think for me the main difference between school in the US and school in Singapore is best en- encapsulated by my first time one of the first few times I walked into a Starbucks when I was in the US lah and I remember mm. just standing in line and then when it was my turn, I just, you know, quick, you know, quickly recited what my order was and tried to make sure there was no mistakes and give give my names correctly, spelled correctly, so that I could get my order and, and, and not get scolded by the by the person at the counter. Lah. Then behind me, the next person that came on was this I think she was this like college uh girl or what then she just like you know, I, I don't like the the way my coffee tastes. It tastes like it's way too diluted. I want my money back. You know, she just she just oh, said shit. something like that. And then and then the Starbucks just like took the cup back and said, like, okay, sure. Uh, or do you want us to fix something else up for you? And then she's like, yeah, okay, sure. Then they and they just went ahead and fixed something else up for her lah. Um, mm. and then just in that little interaction alone, then I realized, oh fuck, like over here, like it's totally okay to like you know change your mind and state your preference and and just like you know not care about what what whether pe- what what people say or think about you la, that you're a difficult customer or or things like that la. and I, mm. I found that to to ring very true even in when it came to like the universities and things like that like there's very little expectation that you must uh, have decided on what your major was in your, after your first year and you must decide this, you must do this by this date and everything. If not, you're considered a failure and you can, even in your third year or fourth year, you suddenly decide, I want to pursue something else. And mm. it's just such a, it, so many, so many, I know so many people who did that, that it almost seems like, um, to me, it was like, wow, it's such a liberating thing to not be so fearful of losing out because you, you know, spent a few years studying something else and then you decided to change it to something else and all. And yeah, people, it seems like, you know, U-turns are a lot easier to do like, in the, uh, when I was studying in the US. And, and mm. a lot of times, you've, you know, you could, if you could speak up and, and just articulate what you wanted you know, and, and even like going to a professor and saying, hey, I think I deserve a better grade for this because of this, 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 this. Even that was possible, man. So, 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 it just made me realize oh, like, so, yeah, like, like, you know, the, 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 you know, in Singapore, you would never imagine doing something like that, right? Like mm. going to talk to your teacher and, and saying, hey, I, de- I think I deserve better than this because I did this, 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 this. But I saw that being done to you. I think I also did it once myself as well, uh. Uh, mm. So it was. It just opened my. It just blew my mind up. Basically, that yeah, in the US you are really taught to take control of your your own destiny, especially when it comes to your education like that. No, Plus, people ask you about schools. You talk about Starbucks. 
<laughs> that is called an analogy, my friend. My friend, an, an analogy. analogy. You very Singaporean, ah? Yes. Uh. Hey, why not answer the yeah, question? Very Singaporean. Answer the question. Yeah, I mean, it's schools, <laughs> what? Uh, the ten-year series all asks about schools, uh, what? Then you use Starbucks analogy for fuck. Because in the US, they teach you to talk about a long story to to come to your point, uh, right? Mm. That's one thing they do teach you in the US. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's um, but yeah, yeah, the 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 next question. I mean, in terms of, do you consider? Do you either of you consider working in the US? And maybe you can answer that about getting hired as a Wharton Business School degree holder. Like. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, the the business school is is famous and well known. I mean, a lot of famous people: Donald Trump, uh, Joe Low, you know. People like that were all, <laughs> all alumni, all alumni, yeah. proud alumni of the Walton Ivanka School. Trump. Ivanka Trump, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know, it is a well-known school. So, uh, yeah, people, people, especially in the US, they do, uh, at least in the corporate world, uh, they do look at your your schools and and uh, based on that, you know, they they take in the number of students from a certain school and things like that, no? Mm. Yeah. Mm mm mm. So and and then did you consider? I mean, you worked yeah, in the yeah, US. Yeah, so right? I worked. I worked. Yeah, right. I worked for two years in the US Wall Street finance, doing all that. Mm. So yeah, so I did. Did you consider? I mean, I wanted to, but because I had a bond, I actually asked Singapore Airlines if I could defer my start date by a year, and they very politely told me, and I paraphrase, uh, "Get your ass back here and start as soon as possible." Yeah. Of course, they said it a lot more politely, Yeah. Um, but. I mean, I was very grateful for the chance to get to study abroad. So when when I tried and they said no, you have to come back because I mean because I was obligated to. Yeah, I I came back, but I really did want to work in the US, mm. And 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 I guess at, at like the few times we have gotten a chance in the past to work on projects in the US, uh, in media, that was really uh, amazing, mm. And mm. and I think I think the question is less about working in the US, but more about just working on projects outside of Singapore mm. in the rest of the world because like, it would be cool to film or create uh, a show or something that is based outside of Singapore yeah yeah definitely yeah that would be fucking amazing because now also US is it is it the place to be in the world uh, I don't know mm. I don't know about mm. that <laughs> yeah yeah and I guess this is the last question for today's episode Correct. right yep. From My Pretzel and Sushi, is Ministry of Funny a YouTube channel or a registered production company? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a comedy brand, right? It's a mm. comedy brand. Um, there is a registered production company uh, that under which we, you know, we, we, we do all the admin and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, mm. yeah, Ministry of Funny is, is mostly a copyrighted uh, comedy brand, uh, just in case anyone's yeah. thinking of stealing the name. Yeah, because the production company came first and then we started doing Ministry of Funny full-time. Yeah, yeah, correct. So, yeah. wow, that was a... Well, wow. That was an hour and, a, the, hour and 10 minutes or what, right? Of like, yeah, and we're still, we're still only like halfway through halfway through the questions, which we will hold off for another episode next week. Mm. So if you if you listen to this and you have further questions, just add it on to the thread. We'll mm. put the link in the description in the show notes. Uh, and yeah, we will do another AMA episode next week. Yeah. But um, but cool. yeah, so it might even be more than two episodes if we get a lot more questions. Uh, uh, yeah, man. But we'll see. Like, if, they, if, you all, if you all liked this episode, yeah, add more questions. 
if you didn't really like it, then yeah, okay, then don't add questions. Then we will kind of know whether people enjoyed it, lah, right? Mm, mm, <laughs> mm. Yeah, why you ask that kind of questions? Yeah, I like, I like, I I need the data, lah. I'm a data scientist type of. You need the data. data yeah, you need the data. Um, of course. But yeah, so but we still want to talk about what our one should comment is. Yeah. Uh. So what yeah, is so, your one short comment of this, this week? Uh, my one short comment of this week was something that uh Jungle Jimbo eighty eight posted seven days ago. Mm. Um, which I thought was just a, it was just it, it is is an example of one of those comments that really keeps me going with, with regards to this podcast and and continuing to create la. and and the comment was just basically about uh, him saying it's been a tough one year in response to seeing an st article that was titled one year after circuit breaker people in singapore socializing less working more mental well-being has declined mm. so jungle jimbo was saying yeah it's been a tough year and he just thought about how grateful he is for family and health and also the occasional well-produced podcast. Mm. Uh, here's looking to you, Yalabad and the Boomers, Terrence and Harish. And, and I guess it, it's along the same lines of, of the interactions with listeners that mean the most to me. Like just understanding how this, this thing we started where we are just trying to talk about current affairs through comedy has actually kind of made the lives of some people a bit better. Mm. And yeah, it, it really does does mean a lot because it this doing this is cathartic for for me and just knowing that it it kind of helps other people get through their day is fucking dope man mm. yeah and i think yeah. for me the one short comment was the i think the meme that uh but then hall posted a day ago mm. from i think mm. from someone on twitter called shithead steve uh the the caption is, society if cyclists didn't ride in the middle of the fucking road and, and then it's a picture of of absolute utopia la. <laughs> like the future mm. where like they're flying cars and and there's no pollution and whatever la. so <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's pretty funny because it's yeah I, I do believe that we will we can achieve this utopia if cyclists stop wearing spandex and and being assholes la. fuck you, la. Like, you see, even, you see, you're just even, building up even Ho Ching even Ho Ching agrees with me and now it's being it's being what did Ho Ching say she also posted about the the cyclist uh, registration issue, and then now Parliament apparently they're looking into like licensing of of cyclists. Uh. No, but that's good. That I agree also. But what I disagree is your constant uh, repetition of the term spandex wearing <laughs> villains and your typecasting of all cyclists Wear, wearing spandex. Then, yeah. Oh my God, wearing spandex. Yeah. You know what? Okay, if anybody wants to get a gift for Terence's future, but they just get him spandex, lah. <laughs> get him spandex, a bicycle helmet, bicycle cleats, um, yeah, and and never let him live it down. No need bicycle. I have bicycle. I'm also a cyclist. I just don't wear spandex. Mm. That's all. I just don't wear spandex. Mm, that's what you say now. I just don't wear spandex until and, you try and treat treat like Singapore roads like Tour de France and that. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Okay, before we open up a can of worms, maybe we should end end off with our with our light-hearted segment called One Shock Thing of the Week. Yes. And what is what is your one shock thing, Terrence? Um my one shock thing is actually the um I I realized that uh similar to us, there were a lot of uh production uh companies and all that were that produced content during the circuit breaker. La. Like ours was a mm. you know we have we have that TV pilot plus 
we have a Mandarin uh, web series coming up as well. So, um, I mean, it's under this this segment on uh, on me watch called Lights Camera Singapore. So I mm. I don't know how to point easily point people there except to just say search me watch lights camera Singapore and actually you can watch quite a number of like feature films Singapore feature films, uh Singapore web series and and you know uh, Singapore short films and stuff like that, uh in just in this one place lah, uh without having to mm. pay anything special so, uh yeah and there's even like you know the the new teenage textbook series and and things like that so it's it's quite. I mean, it's quite cool uh, that, that there's this there's this one place where I can you can watch all the latest Singapore content. Uh, so quite in mm. line with what we're saying about yeah, in the we, we do believe there's a lot of talent in the Singapore industry, and you know you can actually watch some of it here Hmm. So cool. do check it out. That's not wow. it's not a sponsored post at all. It's just it's just my even it's just my curiosity that brought me here, and like like even Zombie Pura is is here as well. So if you want to mm. see Harish as a zombie, you can watch that here. Eh, hey, that's a spoiler lah, dude. Oh, hey, shit. Sorry, man. Fuck lah. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay, forget forget what Terrence just said. I mean, go watch the movie, but forget what Terrence said about what happens I, to my if character. I, if I ruined the movie for, for everyone already. For millions of people, no. Millions of people. God damn. Okay. Uh, God damn. Sorry, but yeah. there's, uh, no there's, a lot, there's a lot no of uh, movies to watch lah. If you are interested. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, my one short thing is uh is the the music video put out by Little Nas X. Mm. Um I think two weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, two weeks ago. It's called Montero. Um have you have you heard of it or any of the buzz it has created? No. So basically, I mean Little Nas X is is like a a fucking like um killing it in the in the rap game mm. uh and the video why it caused so much buzz is because it is the song is called montero which is the first first name uh little nas x first name of his real name like his real name is montero lamar hill and it basically has scenes of him lap dancing with the devil and and it it kind of takes on the notion of like LGBT issues and and religion and the devil and I haven't read up about the lyrics and all but I know it got a lot of backlash about the more conservative uh folk who who said that you know like like lap dancing the devil and also Little Nas X is uh, openly gay uh and he and he's quite like a a, a champion of of LGBT issues mm. so why I thought it was so interesting is because I mean this day and age. I, I can't remember the last music video that came out that uh, came out and everyone was like, oh shit, everyone was talking about it. I think the last one was probably like This Is America by uh, Donald Glover mm. uh, by, Charlie, by Charlie Gambino. But to see something like this come out and you watch the video and then you're like, oh shit, it's, it's a trip of a video. Mm. And like to me, music videos that have a catchy song and also have a, are making a statement of some sort, that fucking blows my mind. Like. And mm. There's so much to read and dissect in this video, and, and I think Little Ness X has he 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 fucking understands the internet like very few artists do. Mm. So I think even just observing how his uh, Old Town Road went viral, that that was his first breakout hit, um, and how he leverages TikTok and social media, and how he just just builds up so much buzz around his videos, it's fucking mind blowing, yeah. Mm. So I recommend everyone watch that video and just read all the buzz about around it. Got and it. if you get offended, then. 
yeah then then i would love to hear your thoughts as well mm, mm. so it's, it's meant to be very provocative la. yeah it's definitely provocative got it, got it. definitely yeah oh, yeah man exciting cool 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 yeah that was a that was a personal personal uh episode yeah and and yeah if, if you have questions please leave it in the subreddit uh specific to the ama ama episode and i mean quite fitting right we did a personal podcast sharing our personal stories and we are launching folklory.com which is a way for anyone to create a personal podcast for mm. someone that you fucking love man yeah uh we are launching it in view of Mother's Day being less than a month away. So if you are thinking about getting um, something for your mom that is meaningful, that is unique, and if you want to support us with with uh, this service that we are building that we really fucking believe in, do check it out, folklory.com. Mm. And we've come to the end of the podcast. End of the episode, end of the podcast. And yeah, well, we will talk to you all soon, people. <laughs> <laughs>